Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. How's things? Good man. Yeah, I haven't seen you in ages. It's been a long time. I and Fiona's thing was very good yeah i think that was i I don't know when i've seen you in person i think it was bridget naaman possibly yeah could be i feel like it was (laughs) that's disgraceful Uh, we just (laughs) we just just jump into it is that all right yeah sure it's the keith walsh podcast it's essential like your breakfast it will get you up and going, learn some things you didn't know Yeah, it's the Keith Walsh Podcast It's the Keith Walsh Podcast Give you energy like buck fast And if your head's in a pickle or you're looking for a giggle It's the Keith Walsh Podcast, yeah Hello, good evening and welcome to the Keith Walsh Podcast My name is Keith Walsh and it is 20 to 8 I'm going to try and get this podcast recorded edited up and well it's kind of edited just out up and out before i have to collect my daughter from school she's back the easter holidays are done everybody's back to school everybody all the classes are back so all those first year second years that weren't in school uh since christmas they're all back and uh life is slowly returning to normal uh, my daughter now is on the last stretch of the leave insert assessment and prep so she's gonna she, they're doing assessments continuous assessments and also they have exams so she's gonna do both which i thought was very admirable me i would have done neither um i would have been fairly freaked out but uh fair play to all of them for fucking surviving it getting through it you just get on with it though don't you you have to what else are you gonna do um what day is it it is the 12th of the 4th that's april 12th uh yeah we're just today was the first day we could travel past our five kilometers we can travel as far as 20 kilometers i think but within the county i think i'm not really sure it's all a bit vague and there's other stuff we can do but i'm not sure what it is and then in two weeks time i think uh kids can go back training and there will be other um easings of the lockdowns and i think I think apparently 800, up until Friday, 800 people had gotten the vaccine. Now, that's not 800 people vaccinated. That's like, eight. no, 800 vaccines had been given out. So that was like 500 had gotten the first one and then 300 on top of that had gotten their second one. So it's still only like, whatever, something. I could be wrong, but it's still only like 300 people vaccinated fully. 300,000 people. <laughs> 500 people. Although I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it was only 300 people. The way this country's gone, it's a disgrace. Everything is an absolute disgrace. I'm disgusted at everyone and everything. Anyway, uh, do I have any news for you? I've had a bit of a head wreck of a week. 
There's a lot of shit going on. Like, I'm going to say, like, there's a lot of stuff that I might have manifested coming at me and I'm not fucking ready for it. I didn't mean to manifest all this shit, but it's happening. I'm going to have to deal with it. And I've got big decisions to make over the next couple of days, next week or so. And uh, it's funny because I say it's interesting a lot. It's funny. (laughs) I say it's funny a lot, too. Um, I'm... I was getting used to just pottering around. I was just talking to my beautiful wife, Suzanne. Uh, I was getting used to just pottering around, doing my own thing, coming up with some ideas, do a bit of this, do a bit of that, carding with Keith, the podcast, uh, trying to write this book that I've been trying to write, um, meeting people on Zoom, having to chat with them, coming up with ideas. You know, just kind of like going along, seeing what happened, playing it by ear, being sort of, being open to the universe, man. And, yeah, just hanging out at home a lot, like everybody, I suppose. Um, and then this, this the last two weeks, just loads of shit kind of happened. And some requests and maybe full-time job. And I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. But we'll see. I'll know more in the next couple of weeks. Either way, I want to try. Uh, I want to, the most important thing is that I keep doing this podcast. And also, I want to keep doing the carding with Keith. And then I've got the play to do at the end of the year. So once I keep those three things going... And then there's other bits and pieces floating around that I might have to just go knock on the head or, I don't know, just play it by ear. Maybe I can do everything. Maybe they're wrong and I can do everything. Anyway, I'll ask Dermot Whelan, my guest, he can advise me on what to do because he, um, he is the master of the mind. He can help my mind. Uh, so I interviewed Dermot because his book is coming out. It's called Mindful. It's due out... Um, do I have the date of its due out date? Because yeah, the twenty second. No, no, that's the launch. So the twenty second, I suppose. Yeah, well, that's it then. I have the uh, the date of the launch here. Mindful, unwreck your head, de-stress your life by Dermot Whelan. It's saying the sixteenth of April. What are we at now? So in four days. Here comes the dog, Charlie. You are not allowed in here because the last time I was doing a podcast. I was interviewing Dermot Whelan for this podcast, and you, hang on a sec, guys, I have to just lock Charlie out, and I'll explain what happened, hang on a sec, Charlie, sorry now, buddy, I know, don't give me those puppy dog eyes, I'm telling you, I was in here interviewing Dermot Whelan, you listen, if you hear it at the end, Charlie was at my feet, he was mucking around, he has this toy that he wants me to throw, and if I don't throw, he starts growling, so he's at my feet growling, you can hear the low growling. I'm sure. Dermot's chatting away. I'm trying to focus on what Dermot's saying. I'm trying to keep Charlie. Because I didn't want to get up, put him outside the door, come back. I just wanted Dermot to be able to talk. And anyway, he somehow, as you'll hear at the end of our chat, thankfully was we were kind of wrapping up anyway, he just unplugged the fucking computer. Everything, gone. Thankfully I was able to salvage this audio with the help of my friend John so John Connolly, I emailed him the 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 the, the 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 video, the recording, the video recording of the Zoom call, and I said, John, can you what can we say? And he he got he sent me back the audio. So thank you very much to John. If you need any uh, 
if you're thinking of starting a podcast or you want someone to edit stuff or you want someone to help you set up a podcast, John's the man. Get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with him. Um, anyway, so Charlie nearly wrecked the podcast, so he's not allowed in anymore. And uh, until he learns to behave himself, I might let him back in. So you'll just hear that at the end. It just ends very abruptly. Also, there was a slight delay on this as well, so that kind of creating a little bit of... But I think it's okay. Um, just so you know. Um, and uh, what else do I need to say about this? Oh, yeah, I need to tell you about the book. So the book is out the 16th. If you pre-order the book before the 16th, um, pre-order terms and conditions. Please note that this book is pre-order title. So if you order it now on Eason's, you will get an exclusive invite to the book launch. Why does it not say there? Why does it not say there? Pre-order a copy of Dermot Whelan's new book, Mindful, and you will receive an exclusive invitation to his book launch in April. I believe that's April 22nd. And that information is on the thing. Then it's not on the thing, if you know what I mean. It's there, and then when you click into it, it's not there anymore. Crazy. I like the cover of this book. It's cool. I'm clicking in. I'm clicking in. I'm going in. I'm cl clicking it. I'm click. What? What? I just pre-order too. So anyway, if you go to Eason's, I don't have any more information, uh, and you pre-order his book, you will be invited to an exclusive book launch with himself and Mr. Brezzy Bresland. Niall Breslin, who was on this podcast as well, if you listen, if you go back, you'll see uh, I did an episode with Mr. Breslin, um, April 22nd. Go to Easton's now and just pre-book, launch, buy, pre-launch, book the book. Pre-book, launch, buy the book. And you will be invited to that, the launch. I don't even know what I'm saying now. April 22nd. The most important thing is you buy the book. It's called Mindful. And it's an accessible... Um, way into meditation and mindfulness and he talks about his own self and things he's had to deal with and he's you know it's 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 um, the, the everyman story of mindfulness I didn't realise he'd been meditating for 10 years which is, I found very interesting I'm only really starting everything I've been trying to meditate for about a year um, and I have a lot I have a lot to a long way to go but I'm interested in learning more about it I'm interested in possibly learning how to teach meditation as well so I'm very interested in this book anywho without further ado um, it is time for the Keith Walsh podcast episode 92 and it's me talking to Dermot Whelan you know Dermot Dave today FM Dermot Whelan um, meditation guru and now author Fucking hell. And comedian. Radio presenter, comedian, author. And uh, we started off by talking about an episode of Bridget Naiman, the sitcom that we were both in. We were in the band. I shit you not. Enjoy. Yes, yeah, so we were both in an episode of Bridget Naiman together. We were in the band. We, we you, Yes. No, no. I, well, I can't remember, actually. Were you, you, were, I was... you were the lead singer or something, were you? Morris Malumphy. Um 
Did I actually have a role? Yes, I was in the band. I played, was it bass? <laughs> yeah, I because you were, you were like the love interest, weren't you? Yes. Um, it was very, very close to real life. It was like a guy who used to be in a band, um, had lost his good looks. Uh, <laughs> uh, still had a massive ego. <laughs> yeah, that was so much fun. Um that was I I just it was so much I just really, really enjoyed filming that episode of, of Bridget and Eamon. It was so much crack. It was good crack, wasn't it? It's, it's a pity yeah. uh I, I I if I could do that full time you kind of do that full time anyway with Dave on the radio, so you know it's <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. played the part you played the part of the guy who's, you know. <laughs> and Dave is the wild Bernard type character, you know. <laughs> yeah, in fact, we've had Bernard on our show quite a quite a bit of late. Uh, yeah. He's very funny talking about mad Irish things like our love of carveries. And he's obsessed with roundabouts, as you probably know from having worked with him for so many years. <laughs> he's obsessed with roundabouts. Roundabouts and cars, man. Like he's obsessed with roundabouts, kind of, and you know, in a funny way. And car, like, don't ever start talking about cars because, like, I would just, I would just, just say it to him, Bernard, don't start talking about fucking cars today, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would fucking drive me demented because I have no interest in, like, I don't, I don't give a shit about these. Like, he'd, I'd get a car or something, you know, and he'd be asking me about how many fucking c- cylinders or something. I'm like. I have no fucking idea. It's talking. blue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are the are the cylinders the things with the with the rubber around them to keep them on the road? The things to go. It's got four tires. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have i I have a classic car. I'm on my second classic car. Just now that you now now you brought up cars, you don't want to talk about it. Yes, here we go. But it, it's uh it is has all the hallmarks of a. Jaguar. Um, it looks great and it's been sitting in my driveway because it won't start. And that's what Jaguars do. Uh, they they just go, hiya, I'm not driving today. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Jaguars have duvet days. The, um, yeah. What's the interest in the classic car? What? How old is it? What's the... The thing is, I I have a classic car, but I do I don't know anything about cars, so I'm the same as you. I, I like I don't. The biggest joke is when the guy lifts up the bonnet and sort of goes dinner, and you're like, yeah, cool, like <laughs> mm, wires stuff, great. It's it's got stuff in there, uh, so I don't know anything about it, but I. I, I got it off a guy who is good at fixing them. So you can just ring him up and say, it's not working now. And then they look after it. So I'm not expected. Like I, during the week, someone sent me a package and I opened it up. It was uh, a, the Irish Jaguar Club uh, car stickers and a T-shirt. <laughs> and it, I suddenly went white with terror because I thought, no, now I'm going to have to. I'm going to I'm one step closer to a Facebook conversation or God forbid, a real conversation with a proper car enthusiast. And I'm going to be so out of my depth. I won't be able to field any of the questions that are thrown at me. 
we're all meeting up in La Hinch at the weekend. Would you come down? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to camp. <laughs> I just have an image of, you know, the, la- the way the lads on the scooters. There's a lot of lads on scooters, mods, you know, older mods. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of look like they're too heavy for the scooters, but um, <laughs> and they, they head off to La Hinch for the weekend camping, you know, and drink cider. Um, I wonder. Was- yeah, Carlo is a big mod town. Carlo people love a bit of scooter and like you have to have um, all the chrome, you know, like you have to have chrome mirrors and all and, and they're mad into it and they still wear, they wear those kind of um, the bomber jacket, the bomber jackets, the, 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 the collared t-shirts, the kind of Fred Perry uh, t-shirts, so there's yeah. a whole kind of uniform that goes with it and little little bits of detail on the scooters that would be like massively important to them, but we wouldn't probably know about I, it or why it was so good. They have the beer mats, you know, the beer mats that are used for the, to soak up the, the beer on the, on the, the big beer mats, the beer, beer towels. Oh and yeah. They'll sew them in as patches on the back of the bomber jackets or denim jackets. Have you ever noticed that? No, I haven't seen that. Mm. Yeah. They use Those them. Ta- the little towels you'd see, like literally on, on a bar. Yeah, like a like a rectangle towel. Bulmer's written on it, and it's literally made yeah. of ta- toweling. They'll use for, they'll use that as a patch. It's for, for soaking up slops. That's what I associate those things with. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If you've got an interesting <laughs> or different bar towel, you just you, yeah, it's sew it. In, get your missus or sew it into your. Uh, sorry, it's <laughs> it's twenty twenty one. You sew it in yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but I did was. You ever, did you ever have any item of clothing? I was where a, you had I, you I, had sewed stuff in. Yeah, I thought I, I went through a weird phase where I was like listening to brass um, and heavy metal, and I thought I was a mod all at the same time. It was a weird kind of <laughs> wow. You didn't know who to hang out with. No, you were just beat, beaten up by everybody. I was literally had to beat myself up. I didn't even have bullies. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, so I would have I would have gone through a mod phase, definitely, of a Crombie coat. And then I remember I had a denim jacket, uh, which I tie-dyed and wrote wham on the back of. Um, and I think on the same jacket, I had an Iron Maiden patch. <laughs> <laughs> You're a very confused child. <laughs> I thought I was bad turning up at, in first year of secondary school with a load of Madonna badges on my jumper. <laughs> and then wondering why I was being pushed around the corridors. <laughs> that moment when like, her early stuff. <laughs> yeah. Holiday. <laughs> Still a classic. <laughs> <laughs> and then when like a prayer came out you can say i was into her back then man i was into her way before anybody else before she was yeah cool. um, yeah. yeah i did i would have had periods of like doc martens and tight jeans and bomber jackets and i remember a bomber jacket coming into duns you might remember this and i had an eagle on the back of it and duns were selling them like they were quite they were quite affordable they were black bomber jackets with the orange on the inside Mm. And they were kind of like the, the cool thing to get. I grew up in Athlone mostly. And uh, my mother wouldn't get me the bomber jacket with the eagle on the back, but she bought me the plain bomber jacket, which was a sort of a, you know, she, we, we come up with a, a compromise. So I was allowed to get the plain bomber jacket, but not the one with the eagle on the back. So 
I think she had taste. She liked the plain, simple design. I mean, the eagle probably would have been a bit ostentatious, maybe, for Athlone. Maybe it would be would signify notions of some sort. Yeah, I think she's probably saving me from a from a certain beating. <laughs> yeah, there was always a sort of a garrison town edginess to Athlone. Anytime I went down there for for a night out with the lads, you'd you'd pass a couple of tough shoulders on the way down the street. Someone might just get a little bit close just to let mm. you know. You oh know, God, yeah. You oh be God. On your toes. Oh God, yeah. Um, and what what about Limerick then? Sure, sure. Limerick is garrison and has the like Limerick is like like at Lone people would say would say because any anywhere the Shannon went through had its kind of mm. misfortunes or you know uh there was always a mysticism about like I don't know like I, I don't get too heavy but like why so many young people committed suicide or you know like Limerick is is also the art like Limerick is a garrison city, really, isn't it? Or it's not the same, but it's you would have an army base in Limerick, would you? Am I to- totally I, talking out of my arse? I can't remember. I, I was never massively aware of there being. I, there was a prison. <laughs> we're a big army fan, were you? <laughs> no, I, I don't remember seeing many soldiers, but you know, everyone carried weapons, so it was hard to tell the real from the just the. We used to hang around, guys. We used to hang around outside the barracks trying to get autographs. Trying to get autographs off the soldiers? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) What was Uh, uh, Limerick was a funny city growing up. Like, I think people forget just how I I think cities are a lot safer now than they were in the 70s and 80s. Um, Like, I, I, I don't think it was just Limerick, but th- there was always a chance that you would get randomly punched in the face. You know, if you were walking around town, even on a Saturday afternoon, like it was, if you're a teenager, that was just something that was possibly going to happen. And I think people are, I think they're sort of, people forget how rough towns were in the past. And I, I don't think there are anything like that now. Yeah, I definitely think things are better. I, I, I can remember one particular incident of walking past two guys I kind of knew and, you know, whatever, the usual, how's it gone? You know, uh, I'm, I, I would have been 13, maybe 14, you know, the nod, you know, the, whatever. Mm. Like 100 yards down the road, this rock hit me in the back of the head. <laughs> it just like, <laughs> and I don't know, I, I can't remember that we were, I, I didn't think that we were necessarily enemies. But they just took it. They just got a notion to to to, to fuck rocks at me um, once they got past me. So it could have been. It, it could have been the wham written when they noticed wham written on the back of my jacket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They saw the Iron Maiden coming towards them, and then the wham as he walked away. You just confused them. I'd throw a rock. They were walking past me out of confusion. Uh, he's cool. He's got Iron Maiden. Cool, cool guy. Okay, how the fuck the fuck wham? <laughs> <laughs> he needs. <laughs> oh, Although the dye had run off, so it just had ham. <laughs> it was safer. Um, yeah, I didn't have any particularly. I was a very uncool child. I didn't have any. Uh, I did have the oxblood docks and stuff, but not till I was like seventeen or eighteen. You know, I, I usually just wore whatever my mother got me. Uh, in chaps. <laughs> that was remember. 
my mother always bought me strange clothes. Clothes that were just the wrong size. And you know, your mother would just dismiss it. You go, these are huge. Oh, shut up now. Come on now, put them off. Use the belt for God's sake. You know, you go into them. I remember constantly, like it was cool at one stage to roll up a little bit of your jeans. But the jeans I always got were like, like a a good eight inches too long. So I'd be rolling up these wads of material, like, you know, that if they got wet, you you weren't going anywhere. Just the sheer weight of the denim would keep you stuck to the ground. I remember just constantly trying to roll up big fat wedges of denim. Um, And then I remember being in Australia when I was, uh, I was 14. My brother lived out there in Sydney. We went out for the wedding. And I was wearing these shorts for the entire holiday. And it was only years later when I was looking at the photos, I was like, why am I in my jocks in all of these pictures? But with with sneakers on, like (laughs) my mother, my mother had bought me boxer shorts, but but they had like pictures of parrots and a jungle motif and, and stuff like that. And. I can still, I remember the moment I was in the shop with her and she said, oh, look at those lovely shorts. And they were hanging up behind the till. And I was thinking, why do they have the shorts hanging up there? But boxer shorts with designs were relatively new. So we just presumed they were shorts. But so I remember the look on the kind of the girl kind of going, huh? Like, try those on now. So I try them on, walk around the shop. (laughs) The girl was... You know, just what's happening? And then I went to Australia, and then years later, I looked at the pictures. I realized I've been, I've been walking around in my jocks for three weeks in Australia, like sightseeing. And I remember other ki- Australian kids pointing at me, and I my older brother at one point went, "Are they your underpants?" <laughs> and I kind of went, "What? No, they're my shorts." <laughs> so. God, thanks for the counselling session. I actually haven't told anyone that. Oh, man. <laughs> um, that is brilliant. But, that, but boxers, like, you know, people don't understand. I can remember my first pair of boxer shorts. You know, I remember specifically asking, telling my mother, I'm, I'm done with these briefs now. I need to buy boxer shorts, you know. <laughs> I remember that moment of having to buy the boxer shorts. I, I also remember my mother, my mother worked in a shoe shop and she brought home a pair of shoes to me. And they were sweat. I was I was big into my fashion, you know. I was like thirteen or fourteen year old, asking for things like um, suede boots and you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pair of these, you know, these um, Chelsea boots. In first mm. year, I had a pair of Chelsea boots. They're like an elastic on the sides, and they were suede and pointy. But anyway, but she brought me home this pair of shoes. Uh, they were suede, and one of them was brown, and one of them was black. She was like, they're the exact same shoe. And I said, clearly one of them is brown and one of them is black. <laughs> and I like, I was confused. I said, Why would she try and pass off a pair of shoes that are clearly different? Like they were the same, same size. They fit me, but one of them was a different, they were different colors. I was like, Why? And it was only afterwards, years after I realized one of them had obviously been in the window for a while. Oh, so God. They, so they couldn't sell it. But she, but she would not budge on the fact that it was a different color. So you had to keep finding shadows to have one foot in just to, to make it blend. I was Why is he always standing over by the wall? I had one, <laughs> one really flary trouser leg. 
one skinny leg. I, I, I think I used boot polish in the end on my suede shoes. Um, listen, tell me, tell me about this book because that's what you're here for. You need to get people to, 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 to buy it. And I think it's important that people do. And tell me what prompted you to, to write it. Clearly a traumatic childhood uh, <laughs> where I was wearing boxers socially. <laughs> Underpants in the Southern Hemisphere was the original title. Um, yeah, I. it's a kind of a funny one. It just sort of happened. I know that's a very unsatisfying answer, but I became a meditation teacher about, like, long story short, started meditating over 10 years ago. Became a teacher about three years ago. And... Then I was due to to I started teaching in the corporate space, um, but I wanted to get out and teach just, you know, regular people uh, who didn't happen to work in a company. Um, so I thought the best thing to do would be actually to blend stand up comedy and meditation, which sounds utterly bizarre, uh, but sort of create this weird hybrid show that's kind of stand up uh, a lecture a ted talk and a bit of crack um and i was due to take that on the road i put a couple of dates on sale it sold out really quickly and then COVID happened so everything was postponed and around the same time a couple of publishers had approached me um about doing something so i just thought well actually why don't i try and put down everything i know into a book and then in, at least you know Maybe I don't know how long the pandemic's going to last, but that'll give me something to do and I can get the information out that way. And um, because you had to, like you'd sold out big, uh, big venue, like uh, the Helix and, you know, yeah. had a few shows. Yeah, it was, was, was going to be a big, you know, this is like, you know, mindfulness was the new rock and roll, man. <laughs> yeah, but not when I went in, I remember going into the, to Michael in the um, in the Helix, a guy who runs it, I used to work with him in 98FM years ago and trying to explain to him what the show was. And he's a Cavan man, you know, who's all business. And he was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, should there be nobody drinking in the bar? Meditation, you mad? <laughs> so I told him maybe he'd have to have kombucha on tap that night. Um, but, kombucha. Yeah, but I, it was, uh, yeah, it was really surprising and refresh i didn't know whether i'd sell one ticket you know but the fact that it sold out in a, in a day um and so there's definitely you know there's a desire for people to learn de-stressing techniques but they want to do it with a smile on their face you know and that's kind of my where, where i'm at with it i want to make this stuff accessible because i have you know i take issue with a lot of the stuff you know and the baggage that comes with a lot of the wellness are, you know, meditation slash spiritual space. You know, it takes itself very seriously. So I enjoy poking a bit of fun at it. And, you know, this is science. It's, you know, there's so much science about the positive benefits of something like meditation that, you know, you don't have to buy into all the stuff that goes with it. You know, you don't have to be part of an exclusive group of people that meet in some weird hall every Tuesday, you know, some building you'd never normally go into, you know, with a bunch of people you probably wouldn't go for a pint with, you know, it doesn't have to be like that, you know? Um, but I, I, I think know, that's, that's, so what, I, I, 
sorry, there's a bit, there's a slight delay. I think yeah. that's why it's important. It's an important book because of the uh, the everyman-ness of it. Do you know what I mean? It's this you're you're you're, you're stripping away the a lot of the shite, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose there's a great Irish word, um, wanky. You know, and a, a lot a lot of it is a bit wanky. Um, but, uh, you know, when you strip that away, as you say, that, you know, the stuff is good. The techniques are simple. It makes sense. You know, m- meditation is scientifically proven to shrink our amygdalas when done, done regularly. In less than two months, a beginner can literally shrink the fear center in their brain and they can grow other parts of their brain responsible for self-awareness and logical thinking and empathy and you know, those kinds of things. So the the science is there and you don't need to look like Russell Brand, you know, or constantly walk around with a yoga mat under your arm. If you're into that stuff, then fantastic. Um, go for it. But for a lot of people, particularly men, it's just a turn off. You know, and a lot of the wellness space is very much skewed towards females, you know. And I, I think it's, you know, it's it was just an ideal opportunity for me to, to kind of share what I had learned. I I sifted through a lot of the stuff and the books maybe that, you know, your average Joe mightn't reach for, you know? So I thought it just would be a lovely idea to just condense down all my favorite bits of science. Some of the science is funny, you know, um, the easiest techniques, the ones that, that gelled with me when I came across them and, and try and bring a bit of humor to it, a bit of, bit of crack and, doesn't, you don't have to take it seriously, but, you know, we all have techniques for, you know, when we feel physically sluggish, like you're into your training and you know that if you're not feeling great physically, you know, the stretches you can do, you know, there's exercises you can do, you know, there's someone you can go to like a personal trainer, you know, there's a gym up the road in normal times you can go into, uh, but for our brains, a lot of the time we're kind of stumped uh, and that's when we start to look around at books on a shelf or in a, uh, you know, a wellness section of a bookshop and you think, oh crap, I can't relate to any of this, you know? So a lot of the books I found that I was picking up were either too spiritual or, or sort of fluffy woo-woo or else they were too medical or serious. So you're, you've these massive, you know, I don't need to know every single neuron in the brain. Like I, I just want a breathing technique. It's going to calm down my nervous system long enough for me to fall asleep. Like that's it. That's all I need. You know, and that's all that most people need. You know, um, I find that, you know, some sometimes there seems to be no middle ground between I'm feeling great and oh my god, I've got anxiety and I'm an anxious person. You know, and some people think that, well, that's it. I, I've, I'm anxious now. That's who I am. I'm just going to have to be one of those anxious people, like, <laughs> you know, those old women in town who were constantly going on about their nerves, you know. Um, but there's actually, there's a lot of middle ground there. And we move up and down in that space, you know, in for by varying degrees, depending on what's happening in our lives. And sometimes if things are particularly busy or frantic or you have something worrying you, it's just nice to have a few techniques. You go, do you know what? I know how to take the edge off this without having to declare myself an anxious person on Instagram. You know, there's there's a couple, there's a things I can do just like I do for my physical well-being. You could, you could declare it on Instagram as well. 
just for the just you know just for the, yeah. follow, the follows. You want to get something out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What 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 brought you to the what brought you to the meditation space um, ten years ago? Why did you? Yeah. Why did you start it? Um, I talk in the book. There's a couple of incidents. Uh, I, one was that I had a panic attack in 2007, and I would never have considered myself to be an you know an anxious person or someone who struggled with anxiety. Or it just happened to be on the way to a comedy festival where I just had to pull the car over and thought I was dying, and like rang my wife to say goodbye because I thought I was having like a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, and anyone who's ever had a panic attack knows what I'm saying. If you haven't, you're kind of like, what? But it literally feels like you're dying. You feel like your heart is going to stop. You feel like someone replaced all your blood with the fuzz you see on a, on a TV that hasn't been tuned in yet. That's what it kind of felt like. And the invisible man was sitting on me and squashing the air out of me. It's a bizarre feeling. Um Anyway, so I thought I was going to just die in the driveway of a pebble dash bungalow outside Kilkenny. So that's that's how I start the book at that moment. Um, you know, and that was kind of a, a marker in the sand. Of course, I didn't learn anything. I, you know, that was on the way to the cat laughs in Kilkenny. I arrived into Kilkenny in an ambulance, was brought to the hospital. They hooked me up to a load of um, monitors and things and went, here's a brown paper bag. You're grand. You've had a panic attack. And I went, oh, OK, I don't know what that is, but I'm actually in a hurry. I've got to go, go and do some stand up shows. So I went into town and did two comedy gigs, delighted that I had like all this new material about having an anxiety attack to talk about. Um, wow. And, con- and, just and, and continued. I on went your- on the lash for a few days. Yeah, like learned nothing. But I do remember at the time a load of comedians told me in sort of the dark corners of the pub over the weekend that when they'd heard what happened to me they went yeah yeah I, I have them or I had one of them before and so I was I was like what 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 is this thing why are people having anxiety attacks and no one's talking about any of this so anyway I you know you kind of when something like that happens you do the thing of sort of oh I better take a look at myself now in the mirror and see what I'm doing and then you just drift back into old patterns. And I had just had too much going on. I, you've done breakfast radio. It turns you into a basket case totally. yeah, a lot of the time. So because you're sleep deprived, you're, you're just sleep deprived all the time. And every day you're full of adrenaline, you know, so you have that make. That's what you do. Chuck stand up comedy into it. So I have adrenaline at the other end of the clock as well. And even less sleep. You know, I, I have small babies at home. Um, and you know, throw in a bit of telly, a few corporate gigs, you know, it was a hot and then booze. You're, you're just drinking and convince yourself that you have a, a life outside of all the stuff that's happening. So that's kind of, you know, it was a perfect storm that happened. I can completely see why it happened. It's basically your body going, you're not managing stress very well. So we're just going to do this. Okay. <laughs> it just sort of freak, freaks you out. It's, it, so I fell back into kind of old patterns and, and you know, ended up doing the same thing again. So eventually I just realized, look, I, I'm going to need I need something here that's, that's a proper something's going to manage my stress raw, outside of pints, because clearly as enjoyable as that is, it's not really working for me <laughs> at the moment. So, yeah, I've, quite by chance, I met a woman who wanted me to 
launch her book and just kind of MC the event. She had written a book and I also found out that she was a meditation teacher kind of on the side, taught the guards and all that. So I thought, actually, let's do barter. I'll I'll launch her book if you just give me an hour of of this meditation stuff. And just seemed very straightforward. I clicked with it kind of straight away and off I went. I had a panic attack, um, panic attack stories. Uh, (laughs) We should just do panic attack podcasts. Um, I had one on air during the breakfast show and I had to leave. Um, and, and like I work, I work, I, I, so I run the desk, you know, and it's Bernard and Jen on the other side and Bernard and Jennifer literally rock up. To, they have no idea what goes on on radio. They just, they just talk into mics. I mean, Jennifer obviously now knows <laughs> a lot more. She's got her own show, but at the time they were just like, like it was like leaving Dougal in charge of the studio. But I was just like, I was just I I I feel like I feel like I'm going to vomit, but I, like it was so bad I couldn't wait till the like we were in the middle of doing like a we did a quiz called Smarty Pants and we were literally in the middle of it and I was just like oh Jesus and instead of telling them I don't know what the fuck's going on with me it's something really bad I just said I think I'm going to be sick I just needed to get out of the room the walls were closing yeah. in on me I couldn't fucking breathe I was just like I just need to get out of here I need to leave now and they're like you can't leave now what are you <laughs> trying to like mid link. I was like, yeah, gotta get gotta get sick. You guys carry on. And they just sort of carried on and asked the questions. And 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 once I got out, once I broke, got away from where I was, got out the back door of RT and sort of got a bit of air into me. I was like, okay, okay. And I just went back in before the end of the segment. I love the idea of just you going out the back door of the radio building and you're suddenly in Carrigstown <laughs> having a panic <laughs> attack. <laughs> Leaning against McCoy's. (sighs) (sighs) (laughs) Go back in. (laughs) Dolores came up to me. Are you all right? Are you all right, Pat? (laughs) (laughs) That's just a panic attack. Love. And have did you have one since or did did you have more more of them? They're kind of like I don't really I had to change a lot of stuff then, like, and that was I, I, I give up coffee and stuff like that. Like I, I didn't give up drink. I, you know, that was kind of, that was a sort of a, it should have been a wake up call from you. It should have been something, but I didn't really deal with it very well, but I'd been very busy at the time. And uh, I just kept going and going and going. It's exactly what you say. It's just like your body going, we've been sort of lightly tapping on the window here for a while. Now we're going to fucking come through the fucking door with a bulldozer, you know, um, because we need right, to be- man, I I totally get why you didn't do anything because a lot of time people go, what, you really like you ended up in an ambulance and that didn't give you a bit of a wake up call. But like you're thinking like I'm I'm running the show of my house like I'm I'm earning the money. So what what's my choice here? Like I, I'm I'm doing in my head, I suppose I was thinking I'm doing everything I need to do to keep the show on the road. You know, and all I know how to do is entertain people like that's my thing. Some people are accountants. I tell jokes, you know, and and stories and whatever else I do on the radio and on stage. So. I I didn't I wasn't in a space to start redesigning my life, you know, and going off to an ashram or doing the Camino. You know, I had an 18 month old at home, you know, a new baby. And then, you know, and I, I, everyone's relying on you, you know, so I, I can understand why 
you know, you just get into this groove of work and just getting stuff done, particularly if you're working in something like radio or something that's constantly performance based. It's very hard to get off that train because you're just it's a gallop. It's a it's a constant gallop. Um, but I suppose, you know, that's why you end up having a panic attack. You, know? <laughs> you can't you can't sustain it. Yeah. You know, I mean, even it, like the horse's heart will eventually give out, you know, if, you know, if you keep if you keep keep using the whip. <laughs> yeah. It's like those Westerns where they, you know, they ride and ride and ride because they got to catch up with the, you know, the bounty hunters trying to catch up with the guy. And then his horse just goes thunk onto the ground. He just gets a new one you know we don't have that luxury um but but between that but i i think i remember around that time you would have i think you would have looked at alternatives like instead of doing the breakfast show i, I don't know whether you started doing the drive time show at that stage or whether that was later but i mean you, you certainly made I mean, 10 years is a long time, but at the same time, if you look at your life now and the things you choose to do and how you've managed, you started the process then, you know, of making very small. The meditation allowed you the headspace somewhere to see things as they were. And you gradually, I think, this is me putting words in your mouth, made those changes. And it just took you a long time, like it would anybody, uh, to to make the changes and find the things that were important and the th- and lose the things that weren't important. Do you know what I mean? And like bringing in the money is a very important thing and it's very hard to turn down work. So how did you, how did that, how did that look for you over the last sort of like since 2007, 2008, 2000, um, 2010 sort um, of? There's another story in the book I talk about where I fall down the stairs of a karaoke club and smack my head on the wall another glamorous life event um and i i've been like the ancient art uh, of day drinking uh with my best friend after a record company or someone took us out for lunch you know god bless the old celtic tiger days although this no this was actually in the middle of the recession this was in 2010 one of the last stalwarts um but yeah i remember i basically fell down the steps of the karaoke bar knocked myself out on the wall and stuck the champagne glass that I'd been holding in my hand and managed to save all the way down the flight of stairs, stuck it into my forehead and then just woke up in a pool of blood. Um, Classy, while a hen party belted out its raining men uh, beside me, which was perfect because it literally was. I had just fallen down the stairs. Um, So I remember after that event, I was sitting in... A bath and I just had a black eye I had a big like 20 something stitches in my head and I was sore all over my elbow was killing me and I was thinking okay this isn't great now (laughs) this this is there are better places than this bathtub right now so that actually was another catalyst to um now I realize when I talk about these two events, they're like four, three years apart. So I was living quite a normal, productive life. But sometimes, you know, the hand of destiny gives you a gentle shove. <laughs> so that's when I said, OK, I'm not doing breakfast radio anymore because whatever's happening to me in my brain, I'm making poor decisions. And these little poor decisions are have put me in this bathtub. And they can be like just 
staying out too long, you know, they don't have to be massive decisions, but something put me in that bathtub with stitches in my head, you know, and a black eye. So I, that's when I moved off breakfast radio and moved to drive time. I decided I was just going to start creating space in my day and it really worked. And actually that's when I, around the time I started Republic of telly, um, which uh, was kind of exciting, but I suppose it, it came along because I had created more space and I was kind of in, in more of a, a, a place to do that kind of thing. So I, you know, it's never, you know, you see these movies and read these books of people who blow up their life, you know, or have some dramatic story of, you know, it was that day I went in and I told my boss, you could stick your job and I booked the next flight to anywhere, you know, and then spent five years in India. Most people's lives aren't like that. You don't have this big dramatic event where suddenly you're in India. You know, it sounds great, but you know, you've got the same issues in your mind in India, you know, or on the Camino or wherever you happen to be. So for, for most people, it's a gradual shift. For me, it took, obviously took me, it was taking me a long time to learn lessons, but it's more of just a gradual moving of the pieces. So some things that were foreground in your life, gently move back to the background. Maybe things are in the background come forward. So it's not necessarily something huge and dramatic sure that happens to people you know um are they choose to just completely radically change everything but that's you know that's really dramatic and often very difficult sometimes it's easier just to change one or two things at a time you know and then kind of move in a slightly different trajectory yeah it's not answered your question there we have, yes you've se- several questions <laughs> that i <laughs> That's all, my, all my questions gone there for the rest of the chat but um um yeah but like i suppose when you compare i'm trying to get to the point that like if people feel like it's exactly what you said people need to feel like they i need to like i what i try and explain to people is you don't have to fuck everything out you just you just need to find a bit of space you don't have to leave your job you know it's exactly what you say you don't have to leave your job it's not your wife's fault. You don't have to leave your family. You don't have to start a new life with another woman up the road. You don't have to, you know, uh, you know, just fucking fuck off some days. Like you don't have, you don't have to blow everything up, like you just said. And it's it, that's why it's so great to hear it from somebody that it can be that just gradual uh, finding of space, finding of room, uh, giving yourself the time to see, and it can be you know it's a slow process but giving yourself the time to see the things that that matter mm. and it's it's that gradual uh realization of hang on a second here and what i would would talk about is like me connecting um the word success to the wrong things or even the word success at all or what success means and and the difference between contentment and success or and trying to figure all that out and then realizing that jesus i've I'd everything here i remember sitting in my house one day and just being like because because i hadn't done that ever and and i had sort of childhood traumas to deal with but i'd never sat in my own house and just been like this is nice here you know this is i like these people this is a nice house this is great i don't need to go to the pub i don't need to do a fucking another thing i, I just this is if i can keep this going 
you know, let's sit down and work out how much money I need to earn to just keep this going because this is great. And that's where, as you said, the, the, the important things came into the foreground and other things that weren't important just kind of just evaporated and disappeared. Um, that's not really a question. But I, I get that. Um, <laughs> you know, your, me, your that's, life... That's just yeah, but that's, that's repeating what you said. <laughs> no, but that that's so important. What you are touching on there, though, is um, in a far more eloquent way, I think, that I was doing. You know, your life can feel completely different, but look the same. It's not that you need to as you say, to change large chunks of it or, or pieces of it, uh, you know, that you can see or that you experience, you can shift your perception of how you see the things in your life. And it can feel like you're in a completely different thing, but you're still living in the same house with the same people and possibly in the same job. Um, you know, my relationship at radio has completely changed. And, and to anyone outside, it looks like I'm still doing the same thing. But for me, it feels new. It's exciting. You know, I... Radio was always, I was always looking ahead for the next thing. You know, the radio was, yeah, 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 something I'm doing, but I, I need to, what's going to happen? I need to do the comedy, I need to do the television, I need to do this, I need to say yes to everything that comes my way because it's something up ahead, something constantly up ahead. And that's with meditation because you're actively creating that space in your day, in your week, in your life you then get the opportunity to start to go, actually, hang on, why am I doing these things? Like, wh what is it about this that's important to me? So whether that's your house or your relationship or your job or whatever. So radio went from being this thing that was draining me because I wasn't, I wasn't present there. I was, I was just getting through it because I felt like there was always something else that I was meant to be doing. But this was the thing that was kind of, it had to be here every day. And actually, when I went, you know what? I am so lucky. This thing is unreal. I can, I can come in here for three hours with another, my best mate and, and just talk crap for, for three hours. And actually that, you know, it brings joy to people. There's, there's people really enjoying it, you know? Um, and we talk about really interesting things with really interesting people. And that that's a luxury. The people I get to talk to, most people don't get to meet in a daily basis. I get to hear amazing stories that are, you know, some of them are really sad and heartbreaking and then some of them are hilarious and silly. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm so grateful for that opportunity for ever, however long it lasts. You know, I could be, they could change the whole station tomorrow, could disappear. I don't know. It's changed the show. You know, it's anyone who works in media knows that it's, you never know what's coming down the tracks, but you know, to anyone on the outside, I'm still doing the same thing. But to me, it feels completely new. It's, it feels different. It feels just far more fulfilling. And I think certainly the meditation teaching has done that for me as well. And that I still want to be on a stage. I still want to entertain people. I still want to give them things to think about. So to anyone on the outside, it looks like I'm still standing on a stage and I'm still saying things into a microphone. But actually, I'm bringing far more of me there now. I'm not just getting onto the stage and, you know, holding on to the sides for in a kind of a white knuckle ride. I'm actually there. And because I can blend all my interests like meditation and comedy and everything else, 
it's actually more of me turning up, you know, and what, when we bring more of us to any situation, it's more fulfilling, mm-hmm. you know, and fulfillment is something that I talk about a bit in the book in terms of, you know, that eludes people a lot of the time. You know, there's a, there's a, a story in the book I talk about uh, where I met a guy who was doing the radio show from Cork and we were staying in a hotel and I wanted to watch the masters it was on next door in the hotel. So I went in, sat at the bar and I got talking to a chap and he was this really successful architect. And he was, you know, in Ireland, suddenly you get everyone's life, you know, the life story in 10 minutes. Um, but he was telling me and he found out I was teaching meditation and he was like, you know, I, I have it all. I have beautiful wife, gorgeous kids. My company couldn't be doing better. The reason I'm out today is because we just signed a massive contract and it's amazing. So I'm, I'm here just having a few pints. Um, you know, he had a lovely house, living in a lovely part of Cork, just it ticked all the boxes. And he said, and you know what? I'm happy, but I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. And he was sort of lost and confused. And because he had done all the things that everyone says you're meant to do. You got the house, got the wife, got the kids, got the golden retriever, got your own business. You're, you're killing it. But he was happy, but not happy. And, you know, for so many people, that's a state that we find ourselves in or we get used to just. And for me, that's the that can be a lack of fulfillment. And sometimes it's something really small that can give you that sense of fulfillment. He didn't have to change his job or leave his family or do any of those things. Maybe starting to look at, you know, something in his life that would bring him back to himself a little bit. You know, he'd lost touch with himself, who he was, because he, he was in the race like the rest of us, you know. So, you know, sometimes your life doesn't have to feel like it's falling apart or have some dramatic event. Sometimes it's just a case of being happy, but not happy. Mm. So what do we do when we find ourselves in that situation? Well, that's, for me, in my experience, the time to turn inward. And all that is, is taking a few moments of your day, even if it's a couple of minutes of just sitting down, breathing a little bit, doing a guided meditation, take your foot off the gas for a little bit, you know, and anything that can help you just calm the fizziness for a few moments in the day can have far reaching consequences into your life, even though it sounds like really, yeah, what? Like I could do a 16 second meditation and suddenly everything's going to be, you know, it doesn't mean your issues just disappear, but it will just give you enough space to start to see things a little bit differently, maybe a little bit clearly, and maybe you'll start to appreciate the stuff that you have been ignoring for a while. Mm. And I think, for me, the fascinating thing about meditation, because I thought I thought when I started doing meditation and, and I have a long way to go yet and, and it's still, I still find it difficult, but, you know, it's kind of, you're, you're, you kind of feel like you're supposed to sit down and then clear your mind and have nothing on your mind and then sit there for like as long as you can with like nothing on your mind. And then, and then and it's, it was helpful to me to see other people describe it like, like I saw one person describe it. Well, well just imagine your thoughts are the road, but you don't have to, you don't have to focus on any of the cars. Just let them go past. You know, you're not, get, you're, not, you're not getting into a car or, or, you know, on a river and the boats, are just, the, your thoughts are just boats slowly going past. Or 
sometimes I like to think of them as, you know, balloons that I'm just letting go of and, and I don't have to do anything about them. But it's just that you, it's just about noticing what's going on in your head. And, and like, how do you describe it to people in the simplest form? The simplest way I can say it is, for me, meditation is focusing your mind on one thing. For instance, your breath. When your mind wanders, which it will, you just realize it's wandered and you bring it back to your breath. So it's a tennis match between your attention and distraction. And your mind in a five minute meditation where you're just trying to focus on your breath and listen to your breathing, your mind could wander 500 times. It will go to I have an itchy nose. My leg is a bit sore. What's that noise? Is that my dog barking? I never went to the shops. Shit, we've no bog roll. Oh God, I never emailed your man. Oh shit, the car tax. Like this could, <laughs> this could all happen in the space of 10 seconds. It doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean your brain is broken. It doesn't mean you're working differently to anybody else inside your mind. We have 80,000 thoughts a day. They're not going anywhere. And you're dead right. It's one of those myths and it's the first one I always like to bust is that you're not meant to clear your mind. Like suddenly you're wearing an orange robe, shaved head in the Himalayas and you're levitating, uh, you know, above a snowy peak. We, we need our thoughts. Like we literally, they're keeping us alive. We don't want to have no thoughts because that means we're dead. So they're good. We just don't have to chase every single thought down the road, like Homer Simpson and the fluffy dog in that episode. Um, so, you know, what it does give you a chance is when you're in that mode and you're just focusing your breath, mind wanders. Oh, I'm thinking about the dog. I'm bringing my mind back to my breath. When you do that exercise for a while, you start to become more aware of the kinds of thoughts that are in your head. So if you're very self-critical, you probably will over time will notice, well, I'm having a lot of thoughts that are angry towards myself or maybe they're angry towards other people or whatever it is, you'll start to, just like you said, like the traffic on the road, you'll start to become a little bit more aware to be like, oh, I'm seeing a lot of red cars, you know, a lot of red cars today. Yesterday it was blue cars. So today I'm having a lot of um, possibly not very uh, sort of self-worthy thoughts today, or maybe I'm having a lot of anxious thoughts about money or, or whatever it is. You'll just start to become slightly more aware of the kind of patterns that you're spending time with you know I, I i call it meditation a lot of the time is like tinder for your thoughts you know i, I remember sitting with a, a pal of mine who was on tinder and i was just watching him because you know as a I, I i missed that part of dating because i was married by the time that technology came out but i was fascinated watching my mate on tinder flicking just swiping left on everything like he, he was so fussy you know, <laughs> and any any married married man is going to go. I know. I swipe right, swipe right for the love of God. <laughs> you fool, man! What are you doing? <laughs> but I was like, God, he's so fussy. You know, like just let you know, left, left, left. No, no, no. And then I was thinking, you know what? When we're with our thoughts, like we're so fussy when it comes to a. a, a a potential date why don't we apply that to the thoughts that we essentially date in our heads every single day but we swipe right on everything and we'll spend our entire lives with thoughts that are a terrible match for us 
without ever questioning it, you know. So if we could apply a little bit of that tinder fussiness to the kinds of thoughts, because when you start to sit in a little bit of silence, when you bring that into your day, you start to become aware of the thoughts that you've been dating, possibly for years. You're possibly married to very unhelpful thoughts, you know, for years. So it's a nice opportunity to go, stop, you know, get out, move out, move on, get off my couch. Um, so, you know, meditation in, in its simplest form is trying to focus your mind on one thing. When your mind wanders, you realize it's wandered, you gently bring it back. And it's just that tennis match between attention, distraction, attention, distraction. And that's it. And every time, you know, science shows us that even in that moment where you realize, oh, crap, my mind has wandered. I'm going to bring it back to my breathing again. That's where the changes in your brain happen. That's where the improvements happen. So even if your mind has wandered a hundred times in a two-minute meditation, that's actually two, you know, a, a hundred moments of physical improvement in your brain in that moment, in those moments. And uh, like the classic Irish man kind of response to someone like you or what you're saying is like, well, what the fuck is meditation? Meditation isn't going to pay the bills. Meditation isn't going to sort the tax out. Meditation isn't going to get the, you know, the, the house painted, you know, but yeah, it, well, neither is Netflix. <laughs> you know? but, like, but it will, but it will help you deal with it better. It will help you deal with the fact that you have bills and the fact that you have a job you don't particularly it will help it ultimately will help you see it all differently you know yeah but look, look at your people understand their cars they understand their laptops they understand their phones we know that when we have a load of apps open on our phone it gets sluggish we know that when we have a load of tabs open on our laptop it'll start to slow everything down we know that if we don't service our our car or if we drive it at you know in first gear foot to the floor for 50 miles it'll it'll eventually crap out on us but for some reason when it comes to our minds we don't apply those same things you know we're busy people we have lots and lots of stuff to do we've lots of responsibilities some days you feel like you're really chasing your tail so why wouldn't you introduce something that doesn't have to mean you have to join a cult or it has to take up all your day or you've suddenly got to get up an hour earlier than you normally do? Why would you not introduce some technique that can literally take seconds that would help you to navigate all those challenges a little bit better? It would be nice, though, wouldn't it, to run away and join a cult like between myself and yourself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be cult leaders get away with anything yeah. <laughs> just can, make stuff up can you tell uh, me today <laughs> you have to take your clothes off because that's what that's what um that's what nature demands <laughs> give can me you... your eye bands if you want enlightenment <laughs> one of the one of the a sure sign that somebody has either lost it or found it is that they at the age you know they're mid 40 somewhere they buy a skateboard um yes <laughs> <laughs> i feel with you yeah, it was the best midlife crisis anybody I, i'm actually can i be honest with you I, i'm totally fucking jealous of you that you got a skateboard 
And I feel like I want a skateboard, but now I can't get one because Dermot Whelan got a skateboard. And if I get a skateboard, people be like, you're just getting a fucking skateboard because Dermot Whelan got a skateboard. And he's doing, you're doing mindfulness because he's doing fucking mindfulness. Just get your fucking own thing, will you? So, (laughs) listen, go go for it. Two skateboards, that means we're a gang. (laughs) You you can get those dead of the wham jacket on. We can get out there. We can hit those streets. People can throw rocks at our heads all they want, but we'll be the skateboard guys. We'll have helmets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to think of it as a midlife celebration rather than a crisis. Uh, but actually, the skateboarding was hilarious. Actually, I was in town one day and I was uh, just cruising along on my longboard. And uh, I, I happened to be on a hill, so I, I was going reasonably fast. And, you know, look, and I've... You know, really enjoying myself in a good little um, little groove. And there was a couple walking towards me and a guy about the same age <laughs> um, was holding hands with his partner. And as I was coming towards him, his, his head and body kind of turned to watch me. And I, he had this look of, oh, cool. I'd love to be doing that. And as soon as he was, ju- he was just in the sweet spot of maybe I will get a his wife griefed him by the arm and said, don't even think about it. You're not getting one. <laughs> his, his dreams were just shut down right there. Uh, I felt so sorry for that guy. Uh, but well, yeah, the, I, I never skated board, skateboarded as a kid, but I always wanted one. So I ended up in a shop buying my son one. And um, it just stayed with me because I just loved them to look at. They're just lovely things. So I went back in the following week and, and got one for myself. <laughs> and uh, I was like, um, do you think I should get the helmet? Yes, definitely. De- <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Double down on the pads. A lagging jacket. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I just, great I, crack. I just remember t- looking at, I think, seeing you on social media or whatever and just being like, oh, fuck it. He's made it. That guy's made it. He's, he bought it. <laughs> he did it. He did the thing. He bought the fucking skateboard. Fuck. So jealous. <laughs> I need, I need whatever <laughs> I need whatever he's having. I've noticed though about skateboarding uh, people that you know, like when you have a classic car, when you drive by another classic car, you, there's always a wave or a thumb or even if you're stuck at lights, you'll chat to each other. Hey, what year is yours? Oh, eighty-five. Oh yeah, lovely. She's going well. Yeah, okay, see ya. There is no honor or union between skateboarders. Of any age, you know, I, I can understand like if, if if a 13 year old doesn't want to salute me as I'm skating by him and he's on his board. But I've I've skated by other guys, you know, say over 30 and there's none. There's there, No, there's none. There's and particularly anyone who looks like they've just never stopped skateboarding. You know, those guys. Yeah. Got the Carhartt still got the Carhartt baggy jeans and the vans and. They're looking at me like, no, don't you think about it. You are not one of us, Mr. Mr. Midlife. So there's no kind of common, hey, brah, (laughs) there's nothing. They're not letting me into the club. Oh, man. But... But you've got your own club and it's cool. I, I, I'll I join your club. I haven't got a skateboard yet, but I'll get one. And, uh... Get one. I, I don't do tricks. Like I'm not into, I just value my ankles too much. I've seen too many fail videos of guys lamping themselves off pillars and railings. So I 
got the long boards. And so they're just lovely for cruising. They're actually more like, it's more like snowboarding. Mm. Have you ever, you've gone snowboarding, haven't you? I've never been, no, but I've been, done a bit of surfing and, uh, you know, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's not a million miles from that. So, but I upgraded then to an electric skateboard, which is great crack. It goes 41 kilometers an hour. It's a beast. And it has all terrain wheels. So you can actually go down an Irish footpath without, you know, wondering are you going to be picking your front teeth out of uh, a groove in the pavement. (laughs) I hope you don't go skateboarding with a champagne glass in your hand. No, no. No. I've done that now. But, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that's my. Um, yeah, I may, I may get a skateboard. I think. I think that's my. Uh, Do it. I'll advise you. <laughs> you could be my. But you I'll be, be your the... broker. <laughs> your board broker, because I get inundated with messages from women who are looking to buy their fella a skateboard because they know he secretly would love one. Okay. But they they look for advice on you know where to go, where to get it, what kind of board. Um, okay, and it, it doesn't take long to become you know reasonable so that you could sort of scoot around town on it and not look like a what about gonna kill yourself? What about that first time you 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 you, you skated you know past your neighbor's house in the estate or whatever? I don't know where you live, but like oh, what that that's the biggest thing in my moment is going past the neighbors on the skateboard and like just you know. <laughs> knowing what they're saying you know? i can't funny i don't i don't get bothered by that really i I, w- I was just gung-ho into it it was at the start of lockdown so nothing was happening yeah so i think it actually gave me this lovely sense of of uh so like some purpose you know when uh, the whole world was shutting down and town was weird as hell it gave me this thing that i was like just to focus on actually and i i but I remember one day being in the neighborhood. Uh, I live in an estate and down, uh, I, I skated down to the end because it's a slight hill. It's like a ski blue run. It's perfect for, for learning on. And I remember I was, I stopped and then I was talking to a bunch of kids. <laughs> Hello, fellow. <laughs> fellow young. Hello, fellow kids. Um, I was talking to them and I had the helmet on. And the skateboard under my arm. And I was chatting to these kids. And I remember I turned around and one of their parents came out and was standing in the driveway looking at me. And, you know, and I thought right at that moment, I thought I, I flipped from. Ah, it's cool. I'm sure he's it's nice for him to see one of the neighbors. Then it flipped. If. This. Perfect uniform of choice. What I would be doing right now, uh, standing around with a helmet and a skateboard, waiting to talk to people. Did I just go dark? Yeah, it, I just lost you. I presume. I presume it was a story about you know oh. a, what a paedophile would do and how they would attract children. That's, that's, that's am I pretty right? much it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what do we do? Uh, manage boy bands, get into the theatre, or uh, skateboard. <laughs> Perfect. No one suspected thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Cruise up and down the road all you want. 
the neighbors won't suspect a thing. Uh, yeah, I just lost it there for a minute. But do you, just oh, before, I, before I let you go, so Dermot, so 2008 Dermot, like I'm just thinking of you now, 2021, cruising into your radio show on your on your motorized skateboard, uh, which you're to a job that you really enjoy and you're looking forward to, and you compare that to, you know, Dermot when he was having the panic attacks and not really knowing what the fuck, you know, he was chasing, you know, you must see the a huge difference. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's a certain amount of contentment to that as well, that you made those changes when you did. Because I, I do see people that never make that change. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I again, I don't think to anyone on the outside it would look like, you know, I, I still feel quite busy, you know, and I always love doing lots of things, you know, and I, I have to be always aware that I don't take on too much at the same time. It's just kind of the way I'm wired. But obviously meditation, I have tools now to go, okay, I know what I'm feeling a bit frayed around the edges. I know what I need to do. Um, but I, a lot of the time, some sometimes people can think, well, if oh, meditation is going to make me boring or it's going to make me no crack or it's going to kill my ambition. I'll become soft, you know, and I would suddenly won't want to, achieve anything or i won't really care about my goals because i'll just be sitting in my hole breathing all day um but it's actually it's the opposite because it helps remove the clutter and the obstacles that you were possibly chucking in your own way without realizing it so you can actually go on and do the stuff that you really want to do a lot easier you know it actually in a way makes you more ambitious because you're thinking a lot clearer so you can focus in on stuff that you really want to do and you tend to waste less time with people and things that you know are not necessarily uh, help yeah totally it makes total sense and uh, i think the way you talk about it is just i think we'll reach out reach a lot of people and reach get through the uh i suppose get past the the bullshit the wank the the wanky stuff and uh, get through to people who need yeah. to hear it because I, it's it's hard to get to the people who need to hear it because the people who the people who are looking for those kind of books are there already kind of do you know what i mean and it's to get to the people who and it was at that point that charlie stood on the plug and unplugged the plug and plugged the plug 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 now i was going to ring Dermot back and set it up again but Oh, we were kind of wrapping it up anyway, and I think we'd gotten... I'd, I'd taken up too much of his time. I didn't want to be ringing him back and saying, listen, man, can we just get the outro there? I just wasn't happy with the way that finished. It was very abrupt. Charlie, I think, um, he's never done podcasts before. He doesn't know not to plug out the plug uh, at the end. So would you mind? Um, I know he would have been very gracious, and I actually talked to him afterwards. I WhatsApped him afterwards straight away, so we had a good chat, but... Um, I just felt, look, I think we got what we needed. And the point I was making is that this book, Mindful, if you have any, any sort of, any, if you've ever had a thought about, I wonder how, how I could better manage my life in my head by this book. It's called Mindful. Mindful, yeah, so you have a full mind. By Dermot Whelan. It's an everyman story of sort of, it's for everyone. It's an easy, accessible book about meditation and mindfulness and how that can improve your life. And there's a reason why there's a plethora of these books around and people are talking about it because it works and it's scientific and it will make life better for you. Um, so buy the book. And as I said, if you buy it before the 16th, you will be invited to the online launch. Uh, if you buy it from Eason's, pre-book it. 
the launches with Brezzy on the 22nd of April. I think you can find out more information on Dermot's website, DermotWheeling.com, uh, and you can just follow him on social media. He'll be putting up the information there. Thanks very much to Dermot. Very insightful and uh, interesting. And uh, I really like Dermot. You know, I've known him for a long time. Not We've never been best friends. We've never really been friends. We've or maybe that's I just I don't know, I don't understand what friends are, but I just know him uh, from when he was when they did the breakfast show on ninety eight FM myself and Joe did the breakfast show in Spin, so we would we were in two separate buildings, we were in the same building separated by sort of the lift shaft, so when you come out the lift you'd go right to ninety eight FM you go left into Spin, and so we would have seen a lot of each other and um, we'd always met up at you know award ceremonies when we're drunk and that kind of stuff and uh, yeah, he was always I always liked Dermot and uh, good to see him doing so well for himself now good to see him finally doing well for himself um, and uh, that I don't know where you'd find that episode of Bridget Neyman on Hulu or something of me and Dermot in the band some crack by okay that's it uh, go and buy the book thanks for listening have a good rest of your Monday evening if you're listening to this tonight. You won't be really, will you? Uh, you might be listening to it on Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know why I'm even saying days. Just enjoy the rest of whatever it is you're doing. Just enjoy. Just enjoy. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoy it, do tell your friends. Please share it on social media. Please give us a five-star rating. Give us a written review if you want. That'd be great, but make sure you say not tonight. And uh, subscribe to the podcast as well. Thank you very much to ACAST as always for the support. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. I got to go and um, I've got to uh, edit myself and Mike's chat and get that up as well tonight. And it's two minutes past eight here as we speak. I have to collect my daughter from study. She's in college or from in school from like nine until nine. Uh, she does late study until nine, so I have to go and collect her. So hopefully I'll have everything done by then. So I gotta go. Listen, mind yourself. Peace out, motherfuckers, and uh, be good to people and yourself and uh, your dad. All right. <laughs>catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me Kiki palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 